Hi, friend. On the Finding Something Real podcast, we listen to stories told by young women, hear questions or objections about God, and invite guests on to explore answers found in Jesus Christ. I am currently busy working with other people behind the scenes to create some awesome content for Season 7. During this preparation time, you are listening to a replay episode from Season 6. The episode you're about to listen to is one of several episodes recorded and dedicated to the young woman who's mentioned at the beginning of the episode, because it's her questions being addressed. In some cases, she even co-hosts these conversations with me. In this episode, challenged and encouraged me in my own faith journey, and whoever you are or wherever you're at with faith, I hope it does the same for you. This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. And once again, welcome back my special co-host this month, Sina. If you are interested in hearing more from today's special guest, you can find her over at Straight Talk with Claudia K. Dot com, and we'll link that in our show notes as well. So just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click on today's podcast episode and scroll through there. We do that with every show. So we'd love for you to check that out and see the links that we associate with each episode. I think you're really going to like today's guest. And so I want to make sure that you have that information on how to find her after this episode. Claudia, thank you so much for being our guest. I wanted to also add that today's episode with Sina is special. I love having Sina on as a co-host, and this was one in a series of conversations that we were having a couple of months ago before she left to go home to her home country in Denmark, and it was a really special conversation. We were just a few feet away from each other, basically, in different rooms, but still, and now, you know, we're thousands and thousands of miles apart uh, due to the oceans and different countries and those kind of things. But what I wanted to share with you before I press play is Sina made it pretty clear in the course of this conversation that she wasn't sure how much she actually wanted to share. So you may notice that I kind of jump in and a couple of times speak almost as if Sina is not present, but she was present for the entire conversation Um, We had a great talk afterwards with Claudia, and I'm really grateful. Claudia, if you're listening, thank you so much for sharing with me and Sina, even after we were done recording. And Sina, I just want to say, if you're listening, thank you so much for showing up, being willing to let your questions curate this conversation. And I know you left a huge impression on Claudia, our guest today, and you've left a huge impression on me as your host mom and as the host of this podcast. So I'm really grateful and really grateful for this conversation. Yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it, friend. Hi, friend. This podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. 
And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and faithful counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm so happy that you are listening in for season six, where each month we invite a young woman with some faith questions or concerns about Christianity to come and just share her story and her questions. And then together we invite on guests who can address those questions. And so this month we're talking with one of my favorite young people, Sina from Denmark. And Sina is actually here today. I'm so happy. Sina, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> I like Sina. being here. <laughs> so I was going to ask about that. Sina, how do you feel about being here? I know um, when this airs, we probably will have aired one or two other episodes and we've, you know, recorded one or two other episodes. How are you feeling about this process so far? Mixed feelings. Yeah. A little nervous. Yeah. How come? Yeah. Do you know Good what? question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. You, you can I just share this and you tell know. me if it's if it's uh if it's not okay for me to share this. Uh you've felt vulnerable in these conversations and that's been awkward. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That is fair to say. Okay. And culturally, we you shared this in the very first episode that we recorded together that it's not very common for you to show emotion in your culture. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to no. say? Okay. Yeah. And these conversations about God um, and uh, being that up until the last maybe year, you never really considered um, they're bringing up some emotional things that you didn't know were there. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. And I know you don't want to get emotional today, and I think I've already done it, but no, I just want to say. Don't make me talk about it. <laughs> I just wanted to be clear about where we're at in this process. And I, I won't make you talk about it anymore, except to say, um, I wanted to talk about, as you know, this was all done with your permission. Um, I wanted to have a conversation with someone today about some questions that you brought up in that first conversation. And something that you asked about, and I think they're great questions. And today's guest even said before we hit record, they're questions a lot of people are asking. So I really, really appreciate you bringing these up. Uh, not just young women from Europe, but people everywhere are asking, how can we know about truth? How do we know what truth is? That's part of that. Um, but you also shared, and, and this might be quite personal, but you did share it. So I'm going to go ahead and quote you or at least summarize some things that you shared, um, that you feel scared about believing the Bible because it's been misinterpreted over the years, um, that you're scared um, because you've lived your life without Jesus and it's been pretty good so far. 
and that you're scared because believing in God would change your life. You don't have to expound upon that, but would you say that's a pretty accurate representation of where you still are? I know we recorded that episode a few months ago. Yes. Okay. I, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sina, I'm so glad you're here today. Just really glad. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So you asked some great questions and here to address those questions today is somebody really special that I can't wait to get to know a little bit better. She is a Christian apologist, a national speaker and blogger with a master of arts degree in Christian apologetics from Biola University. She is on the speaking team for the Talbot Seminary, Biola on the road apologetics conferences. She teaches apologetics at her church and leads the ladies Bible study. She writes for various publications and blogs at Straight Talk with Claudia Kay. After raising two now adult sons, her focus now is to make an impact in the world for Christ. Claudia Kamakov, welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast. Thank you. You said that very well. Good Did pronunciation I? there. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's people, probably a people first. Tend, yeah. <laughs> People tend to kill the the last name, but you did good. <laughs> what what do people usually say? What's the most common? Uh, usually, Kalmakoff instead of Kalmakoff, or oh, you you should see some of the pieces of mail we get. It's it's incredible. <laughs> uh, well, Cena knows what that is like. Um, because um, I was at her presentation last night that she did uh, at the high school she's attending. And it was so funny because her advisory teacher was there grading her. And he admitted that he called her. What What did he call you for the first few months of your, your time in his class? Sigmi. Sigmi. <gasps> oh, goodness. And uh, <laughs> she didn't correct him. <laughs> oh, no. no. Uh, he, um, like, still the other day, actually the same day yesterday, um, there was a little discussion in my plant science class about how to say my name. There was like five different interpretations, and there was one person that was sure she was sure that was how it was do- that said. And I was like, "You're close. <laughs> you're not there, but you're close." Well, that's why I asked you, Sina, how to pronounce your name because that's such a personal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has anyone <laughs> here really pronounced your name correctly, as far as English um, speaking? It's it's been giving an American accent. I think that's where it is. Like it is as close as it as it can get. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, I think maybe I'm the only one who can hear the difference, but there's mm, definitely a difference. Can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Claudia, I'm so glad you're here to talk with me and Sina today. And before we dive into what I think is going to be a great conversation, I'd love to know more about your personal faith journey. How oh, goodness! How did you become yeah. a Christian? Did you grow up in a Christian home? You know all the things. Yeah. Well, um, I did. I, I, from my earliest memory, I, I always believed in God. I believed in Jesus. So I think somewhere along the lines, when I was very small, my parents must have told me about God. Um, but I, I grew up n- believing that there was a God and believing that Jesus died for our sins. But, um, and I never doubted, but I didn't always understand that there's a difference between believing that and believing in. And 
it wasn't really until my boys were in high school. <laughs> Wait till you raise two teenage boys. That'll bring anybody to their knees, right? <laughs> so my teenage boys were in high school and my young, my oldest was going through a tough time. And after several attempts to fix the situation, which is what moms always want to do is control and fix everything. I realized that I couldn't. And, and that's when I just surrendered to God. And I said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. You, you take this, you got this. And I realized then that my head knowledge was getting me nowhere. It was about trust. It was about surrender. And when that happened, um, I saw my son gave his life to Christ. It, you know, it was like I had to get out of God's way. I was in God's way. And when I got out of his way, God was able to come in and, and do his work and do what he wanted to do. So um, now, even now, when I encounter a challenge, a big challenge, I have to remember the times when I've had to step aside and go, okay, I can't do this. This is out of my control there's a lot that's out of our control, <laughs> but especially the big things. Um, and, and just surrender and let God take it because his way is always the way that has turned out the best for me. He knows what's best. So, um, and I think that's what Christianity is, is putting your trust in God, not just knowing about him. Yeah. But it's impossible to, uh, to put your trust in somebody that you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get involved in apologetics and giving logical reasons oh, for your good. faith? Gosh, you know, it's it's really when I think back on God's work and what he was doing to me and all the years past, um we had we had gone to a church for several years and we had left that church and went to a new one. And one of the first people I met at this new church introduced me to a Bible study called BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I went to this uh, Bible study for eight years, and it's a year-round Bible study. It runs September through June, which is the school year. And they study one book of the Bible the whole year. So they really pick it apart, and you learn a lot. Well, I went into this Bible study with a lot of questions and I got my questions answered, but as I learned more, I had more questions. And so I got to the point where I knew that Bible study had taken me as far as I, as it could, as far as knowledge. And I knew what I really wanted was a formal theological education. So I, um, in the spring of 2013, there were all these little steps that happened along the way. Um, our Biola University, uh, had a, a trip to Israel. So our whole family went on this trip and there was a professor who was helped guiding the trip. And I stuck to him like glue, asking him all kinds of questions. And the things he said just fascinated me. And it turned out that he was teaching a class at Biola called the life of Christ. So I ended up auditing that class that fall. And my husband ended up joining me in it. And it really took the intimidation factor way down because this was a master's level class. And I was taking the quizzes along with the other students and seeing, hey, I think I can do this. <laughs> 
And um, so anyway, I just loved it. And then the clincher was when my husband and I went to an apologetics conference locally around here. And and we heard all the apologetics professors speak, and I absolutely fell in love with apologetics. And I thought, this is so relevant. This is so relevant because apologetics fills the potholes in the road to salvation. It answers the questions that people, the big questions that people have in life about God and 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 mankind. So I just loved it. And so I enrolled and my husband and I have to. I have to say that I, before I enrolled, I had three, three fears. One was I didn't think I could do it because I, I, my undergrad grades weren't great. Two, I wanted to travel and I didn't want anything to interfere with that. I was being selfish. And three, I didn't think my husband would approve of me being in school because it's a huge time sacrifice. So Here's God again. I I finally decided that I wanted to do this and I really felt like God was leading me to do it. But I um so I, I prayed about it. I prayed about it a lot. And I, I heard God say to me, if I could take all these fears away from you, would you do it? Mm-hmm. And I said in a heartbeat. And uh so so I my I enrolled and when I told my husband I was going to enroll, he said well, I'm going to do it with you. So that was an answer to prayer. And, uh, and, and God answered the other two prayers too. I, I did very well. Uh, we were still able to travel. And so God was there the whole time. He just provided the whole way. It was an amazing experience. Well, how did you, I, I know you're very passionate about truth. How did that mm. become the thing that you love to talk about? Perhaps the most. Is that what you love to talk about the most? It is. And I think that's just because of the books I read on it. Um, I I read a few books on truth and I thought this is really what everything comes down to truth in, in our world. Um, people need to know what truth is. People need to understand there's different kinds of truth and know how to differentiate between the two. And uh, I, I think truth is everything. Truth is about trust and we have to trust people. To, to live, to make decisions in our world. So um, I think that's what got me passionate about truth. It was just what I read about it and when I realized how how truth plays a huge role in our lives. Mm. Well, there's a lot of people who would say the Bible is just a matter of cultural interpretation or personal preference. Uh, yeah. We can see that throughout you know history. We see it now. Yeah. Um, do you think that's true, Claudia, or is there some truth about the Bible that transcends all of that? You know, I don't think either of those things are true. I think the truths of the Bible aren't subject to what the culture or one's personal interpretation is. Um, that would be like saying that the truths of the Bible are relative and subject to change, but they're not. Um the Bible is transcendent. It's the objective truth of God, and God doesn't change. People change. God doesn't. He He's trustworthy. He's steadfast. He's He's our standard. He has. There has to be something transcendent outside of our, our culture that doesn't change. God's always good. 
and his word endures forever. In fact, first Peter says, for all the people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So what this is saying is that people are going to come and go and the culture is going to change, but God doesn't. He's He alone is our enduring standard for eternity. So, so no, I, I don't agree with that. What are your thoughts on that, Sina? Well, I want to hear more, but I, I don't know what my thoughts are necessarily. Mm. It makes me just curious. Like I want to hear more, but not. yeah, yeah. How can we know that the Bible is true? How can we know that that's something we can rely on? Well, I think you know the. The message of the Bible in the Old Testament is that a Savior is coming. The message in the New Testament is that he has come. And as far as the, the truths of the Bible go, I, there, besides the Bible, there are other sources outside the Bible that corroborate what the Bible says. There were historians in the first century uh Josephus, Tacitus, Pliny, that wrote about, these were historians that weren't even believers. They they were Jewish. They weren't Christians. And they wrote about what, what the New Testament claims. And in fact, you could even throw out the Bible and still be able to recreate the story, the life and death and resurrection of Christ based on what outside historians wrote about it. So the Bible is a historical document, but it's corroborated by other historical um, historians. Mm-hmm. We, um, Sina and I, a few weeks ago, we were at a church together and the pastor did a- an amazing job of using the story of Joanna. Was it Joanna? Am I getting mm-hmm. that right? Joanna in the Bible, in the New Testament, um, as an apologetic for for trusting uh, these eyewitness accounts. And it was really, it was really tender and sweet because Sina and I talked later. Sina, I hope this is okay that I'm sharing this, but we did talk about this with Abdu Murray. So I'm just, this is me leading Mm. up to a question. Mm -hmm. Um, Sina Sina said that she was starting to believe the resurrection actually happened. I never know what you're going to say, actually. So I just hope you never know. No, I'm like, it's okay, say this. Which one? Wait a second, yeah. But we recorded this part. Uh, She told Abdu, I I think the resurrection happened. But like what you're saying, um, Claudia, like there's a difference between believing that it happened. Yeah. And there's a difference between believing in, and that's the render piece. Yeah. Um, So I know we kind of, you know, this whole conversation started because... Sina has some real fears, which I think is a real mm-hmm. interesting um, parallel with your story that you had real fears of yeah. even stepping into ministry. Sure. Yeah, um, Maybe we could just talk about those a little bit because I know that you wanted to address those uh, yeah. here. So what fear are you talking about specifically? Are you talking about, well, go ahead, you tell me. <laughs> well, Sina, do you want to bring one up or do you want me to just? No. Okay. <laughs> 
don't make you talk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fear of believing the Bible because it's been misinterpreted or interpreted so many different ways. Yeah. Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. So first of all, I, I think I have to ask, when you say the Bible's misinterpreted, what do you mean by that exactly? Do you mean that other people misinterpret it or what exactly do you like mean by that? Like in the past. Yeah. Like there's so, been, yeah. Okay. So do you have a specific part of the Bible you're concerned with, or is it just as a whole you're saying? More as a whole. Okay. Well, I think I would say that I, I agree with you. First of all, I think people do misinterpret certain passages all the time. Look, the Bible's been around for 2000 years. So people are, are going to misinterpret it. But I think that's a lot of times people do that because they're, they're reading their own meaning into it. And, and because people misinterpret it, I don't want you to think that that doesn't mean that there's not truths in the Bible that you, that you can glean out of that. And, and it also doesn't mean there's errors in the Bible people make mistakes, but, um, they don't always understand the true meaning and the context of a passage. In fact, when I was in seminary, one of the classes we had to take was called hermeneutics. And that basically means how to interpret the Bible correctly. And, um, we learned never to read a Bible verse. And this is what people do is sometimes they'll take a verse out of context and they'll interpret it to mean what they want it to mean to suit their, their purpose. Um, but what we learned is that when you read a verse, you need to read really the whole chapter to understand what was going on. You have to understand what was happening in the culture, the political climate, you have to understand the context of it. And sometimes you need to read the whole book or the Bible, but at least, at least the chapter so you can understand what's going on. And I think that would be, and secondly, the Bible is a book that's been written by over 40 authors. So for someone to discredit the Bible and say, oh, it's not true, they're not discrediting one person. They're discrediting 40 authors, 40 plus authors. So um, I, I think the bottom line is that any book that's been studied for over three or four centuries 
has has generated different interpretations and schools of thought, but that doesn't mean that the core of that book isn't widely understood and clear. It and the Bible has been studied by numerous people from numerous cultures for thousands of years. And I think what's what's amazing is how much agreement there is, not how many interpretations there are. Does that help at all? Yeah. Did that answer your question though? I think so. Not, I don't know necessarily if that was what I meant with, with the question. I think oh. it was more of a, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it. It's, okay. It's, well, you know yeah. what, if you, if you think of it, you can always email me. Have Janelle yeah. give you my email address and you can email me questions later. That's totally fine. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fake information out there about the Bible in our, in general, you know, mm -hmm. TikTok, uh, social media. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of skepticism of, um, you know, any type of dogma or things yeah. that have been used that have abused people, you know, in the past. Why do you find the Bible so compelling, Claudia? I think it's because it cuts to the heart of every person. I think because as you read it, you see yourself in it. You see yourself as that sinner and you, and you see the character of God. As you read it, you see that God is, is good. He's compassionate. You, you see his character and, and the more you learn his character, the more you can trust, you can trust him because as you said earlier, you can't trust someone you don't know, mm -hmm. but when you read it and, and you learn how much he loved the characters in the Bible and, and what he did, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, which I think kind of segues into another thing that Cena. one of the things that she said was that she's scared uh, because she's lived her life without Jesus. Right. And it's been pretty good so far. So, yeah. you know, there's a difference between trusting in yourself mm -hmm. and trusting in a God that you don't really know, that you're afraid to find out about maybe because what if this messes with your entire life, this Bible here. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he might be good. And yeah, maybe you've seen that he's changed the lives of people around you in a good way. But how do you know that this is going to be better? How do you know that he's going to be better than what you already have? Boy, that's a really, really good question. And I think, I think, Sina, I think you need to focus on Jesus. Um, let's, let's put our focus on Jesus for a minute and, and not the Bible. Um, first of all, Jesus is God and, and the Bible, I just told you not to focus on the Bible. Now I'm going to mention the Bible. <laughs> the Bible tells us can't that get around it. <laughs> yeah, you, you really can't. He's the direct representation of God. So, so that means Jesus has God's full authority. And, and from what I've studied in the, in the Bible, I already told you, I, I know his character and I know from my own experience that he's loving and compassionate. He's trustworthy, but you can fully and completely trust in him. And let me tell you something that you might not realize. 
He loves you already. He loves you right now and he loves you already. And he's just waiting for you to knock on the door and say, okay, I'm ready for you to come in. He's just waiting. He's never going to push us. He's going to be patient, but he's there already. And, and I know it seems like your life has been fine without him. Um, and you've been happy without him, but I think that being happy is not what's most important in life or, or it's, it's not what gives us a long-term sense of well-being, but meaning in life is more important. And, and why should anyone be scared to have a personal relationship with an all loving God? Who's, whose very essence is love. Um, now when somebody says that they have so far lived their life happy without God, I think what they're saying is they don't feel the need for God in their life. And every marketer or advertiser knows that people have basically two needs, two kinds of needs. There's, there's real needs and there's felt needs and real needs are needs that one has regardless of whether they think or feel they have that need or not. Now, Here's an example. Last June and July, my husband was feeling tired. He was out of gas. He was losing his appetite. And we found out in August that he had leukemia and he needed chemotherapy and he needed a bone marrow transplant. And that was a real need. Now in June, he didn't know that he had that real need, but did he still need it? Whether he knew it or not? Yes, he did. Of course. He was diagnosed in August and in November, he got his bone marrow transplant and now he's doing great. He's cancer-free. Thank the Lord. Another provision. But my point is that he had a real need for treatment, even though he didn't know it or think that he did. And felt needs are those things that we feel like we need, whether there's an objective basis in reality for that need or not. And marketers use felt needs to reach a person when the person doesn't see the objective real need for something. So for an example, we have a real need for exercise, but we may not see that need until January 1st, when you're ready to declare your new year's resolution. <laughs> but if you, if you own a gym, you're going to advertise at the end of December, not in the middle of summer. So anyway, the point is it didn't become relevant to to someone until they, they feel the need for it. Okay. Now the gospel is a real need. Someone may think that they don't need to hear about Jesus, but the reality is that they do. It's a true, real need and people need to hear the gospel there. There are people who think their lives are going just fine without God, when in fact, there's a real need to accept Jesus Christ as their savior. And, and there's two reasons for that. One is we're sinners. I we're born with a sinful nature. We're not inherently good. I think culture tells us that we are, but we're not, we're inherently sinful. And we can see that in, in a little child, we don't have to train a child to be selfish. They're going to cry out, mine, mine. They don't want to share. We have to train them how to share and be thoughtful to others. So we're inherently sinners. And if we think we're not, then we either don't understand God's holiness or we don't understand the extent of our own human depravity. 
So that's one reason we're sinners and we need a savior. The second reason is that Jesus is the only way to the father. Now we're back to the Bible. Jesus said in John 14, six, I'm the way and the truth and the life. He said, no one comes to the father, but through me. So we need Jesus and we need to understand the personal works of Christ for our own eternal salvation. In fact, in Acts 4, Peter tells the crowd that salvation is found in no one else. He says, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way of salvation. There's no other way. So everyone needs to hear the gospel. And uh, so that's, I hope that, does that answer your question? I just, I just hope that gave you a little more clarity as far as your question on why you think it's important when you've lived your life so far without him. Does that bring any clarity to that? I don't know how much clarity it can give me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think that's probably at some point it's more myself than I think. Okay. Yeah. It's that it's that believing in as opposed to believing that thing. Um <laughs> More, I, I guess it's just like, it's never been there, like a need, you know, it's yeah. never been there. Yeah. I didn't know it was a need. I, I don't know if it is a need. But... Well, I think, have you ever heard the term, there's no atheist in a foxhole? <laughs> no. So a foxhole is what soldiers dig to hide in during a war. So they're not seen by the enemy. They hide in there to save their life. And when they say there's no atheist in a foxhole, it means they're in a, they're in a life and death situation and they're praying. There's no atheist. They're praying. So my point is there might not be a soft way to say this, but at some point we're all going to have some kind of of disappointment or heartbreak or some kind of thing happen in our lives that if we don't have that foundation, uh, your life is going to fall apart. You know, I've, I've heard people say, I've heard people say, well, Jesus is a crutch. I don't need a crutch. And I think when people say that they make it sound like a crutch is a bad thing. But if you think about it, who needs a crutch? People who need a crutch are people who have a broken leg or a broken foot and they, they're broken. So they need a crutch to help them walk. Well, we need a crutch because we're broken. And I, I think that's it is we need to realize our own sin. And I think the real question is, you know, everybody has a crutch of one kind or the other. It might be, it might be fame. It might be, um, sex. It might be money. It might be power. Who knows what it is? It could be a relationship, but everyone has a crutch of some kind. The question is, can your crutch hold you? That's the question with Christianity. Jesus is my crutch but I have a crutch that can never be taken away. And if, if someone has one, another crutch other than Jesus, and that crutch is taken away, you're in trouble. 
But Jesus is a crutch that can never be taken away. He's always there. He will always be there to hold you up, even when you don't know it. And then you'll look back and you'll go, wow, I see that. I see what he was doing there. So I understand that you don't feel the need right now, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I just want you to think about what I said. Just think about it. I don't know if this is related, but it was one of the questions that we talked about before um, having you here, Claudia. But um, I'm curious, what is the Francis Schaeffer theory about keeping religion on the oh, second floor? <laughs> yeah. So Francis Schaeffer was an apologist back in the 70s, and he his theory was that culture sees the two kinds kinds of truth, subjective and objective truth, like a two-story house. And I think first you have to be able to, I, I need to explain to you what objective and subjective truth is. So first of all, objective truths are facts that we know that we can't change. Um, like, for example, um, gravity is objective. It's there. There's nothing we could do about it. It doesn't matter what we think about it, what our opinion is. It's just there. It's true. Um, Diet Coke has fewer calories than regular Coke. That's an objective fact. That's true. Okay. So are you with me? So objective truths are facts that we know that Mm -hmm. they don't change. And they're true for all people at all places at all times. Subjective truths are our opinions. That's what you think of something, your favorite flavor of ice cream, your favorite color, your favorite vacation spot, that's your opinion. That is a subjective truth. And so Francis Schaeffer said that that um, the culture sees objective and subjective truth like a two-story house. He says on the bottom floor, that's your objective floor. That's where you find things like uh, business, law, math, chemistry. That's where you are Monday through Friday. Uh, at work and school during the week. The upper story, the second floor, is the subjective floor. And that's where you live. That's where you have your friends over that you want. You eat the foods that you want. You decorate your house for the holiday of your choice. And and you wouldn't think of bringing your second story traditions down to the first floor or legislating those second story traditions. But what our culture does is it takes religion and morality and it puts it on the second floor because it's supposed to be subjective and and, and a personal preference. And our, our culture has trained us to look at it that way. And what happens when we do this is that religion kind of fades into the background of our lives. And and we know this is true because research has told us that students have said that when they're in trouble, they'll bring God out. But he is otherwise disconnected from anything they do at school or work Monday through Friday. So basically what happens in church stays in church and and they don't bring God out into their lives. And if you look at what Christopher Reeve did, um, Sina, I don't know if you know Christopher, who Christopher Reeve was, but in the back in the day, (laughs) Christopher Reeve played, he's an actor who played Superman in the early Superman movies. And he was a great Superman. And he suffered this terrible horse riding accident that left him a quadriplegic. 
And as a result, he became this huge proponent of embryonic stem cell research to help find cures for neurological disorders. So as a proponent, he went to, he, he sat in front of a medical student panel at Yale University. And he said, and he was advocating for stem cell research. And he says, when matters of public policy are debated, no religion should have a seat at the table. He says, I don't object to religion. I'm a Unitarian myself, but we're talking about the promise of science here, the ethics of science and not religion. So what did he just do? He just took religion and he put it on the second floor, didn't he? He just dismissed it and made it not part of the conversation because it's religion and not science. So I, I think I would have to say that Schaefer was pretty accurate and, and, uh, he was beyond his years because that's still the way our culture sees objective and subjective truth. We look at religion as though it's um, subjective, but Jesus said that we need to build our, our house on a foundation on a rock and, and not on shifty sand. And what's our house? Well, our house is our future and eternity. Religion needs to be our foundation and not on the second story, because when your foundation isn't solid, as I said before, your whole house is going to collapse. Or if your crutch, I should say your crutch without you, if your crutch falls away, you're down. So, uh, that that's the, the Francis Schaeffer theory of objective and subjective truth. It's mm. really interesting. I didn't know. Um, I didn't. I didn't know what it was before I asked that question. So I'm really. Uh, I feel like I've been educated. <laughs> um, it's in one of his books. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously, they can't all be true. And I know that's the question that right. uh, we were right. talking to Abdu a little bit about. And I think we're going to talk to him mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Sina. Do you have any follow-up thoughts or, or questions for Claudia here before we wrap up? No, I think I really like your answers. Like, uh, I also like to like I get to like take it all in while you say things. I, that's really nice, and you're really good at explaining it like deep like that. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, yeah. like I said before, if you think of anything else, email me. I'd be happy to answer your questions. There was one other topic that while we've got you here, Claudia, I want to ask mm -hmm. you about. You're passionate about moral relativism as well, related to objective and subjective truth, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, what gets you uh, passionate about that topic? Well, I think moral relativism is so connected to truth. Um, moral relativism is says that there is no objective truth. It says that your truth is your truth. My truth is mine. We shouldn't judge each other. We, uh, oh goodness. Um, there's no right and wrong. Uh, it's kind of anything goes, there's no gray area. Everything's a gray area. There's no black, there's no white. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what moral relativism is. And the problem with that is that it it's not practical in real life. I just wrote an article um, about this and the Christian Post just published it about uh, moral relativism and the two ways that it falls flat. 
but um one way is in is in it makes religion irrelevant because moral relativism in religion says that all religions are the same they're all going to get you to heaven it doesn't matter what you believe um but this this is relativistic or subjective thinking and the reason why is because all these different religions contradict each other in five major areas in how they see God, how they see sin, how they view sin, how they view salvation, how they see Jesus and what happens to a person when they die. So for example, uh, let's take the last one. What happens to a person when they die? Well, in one religion, they say you get reincarnated. Another religion says when you die, it's just game over. Another religion says you go to purgatory before you can go to heaven. Another religion says you become a God yourself. And in Christianity, Christianity says you either go to heaven or hell. There's nothing in between. So now when a person dies, can they be in all these places at once? No, obviously not. You can only be in one place. Only one can be true. They all contradict each other. So they can't all be true. I mean, it's just not logically possible. So, but that doesn't mean that one religion can't be true. And obviously I'm going to tell you that Christianity is true. And I'm a Christian because number one, the, uh, an event occurred, the resurrection. And Sina, you said you, you're starting to, to come around to that idea. The resurrection occurred and after it occurred, there were over 500 witnesses that saw Jesus alive when he resurrected. And all those witnesses, some of those, any of them could have refuted what the gospel writers wrote about what they saw. They were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life, death, and, and resurrection. And when they wrote about it, anybody could have come forward and said, hey, that's not how it happened. It didn't, it didn't, you know, that's, that's wrong but nobody refuted it. And, and those apostles died for what they knew was true. Now, now there's people who will die for what they, they think is true, but it could be a lie, but they think it's true. The terrorists die for what they think is true, but what's the difference between, between them and the apostles? Well, the apostles were eyewitnesses. They ate with Jesus. They walk with him. They talk with him. They learn from him. And they ended up going to their death because of what they knew was true. Now, nobody goes to their death for a lie. If they thought it was a lie, they, they wouldn't have been martyred for it. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. These guys went to their death. They never recanted their faith. And so the other reason why I'm a Christian is because our God, Jesus, is the only living God. Buddha's not alive. Charles Russell's not alive. Um, who's the Mormon leader? I can't, Joseph his Smith. name escapes me now. Thank Joseph you. Smith. Joseph Smith is gone. Muhammad is gone. Jesus is the only live God. He's alive. And there were only over 500 witnesses that he appeared to that saw him. So does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it answers the question. Okay. It sure does. Yeah. Uh, Claudia, final question that we ask everybody who comes on here. 
Um, thank you, by the way, for your answers today. It's been, you've given us a lot to think about. Um, and I really appreciate it. No uh, Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. All things that can be found in relationship with Jesus. Which of those things, restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love, stands out to you the most in your life right now and mm. why? Well, um, I would say, although I've seen restoration in areas of my life, in many areas, and I have felt God's love through the grace he has shown me in various circumstances, um, and the authenticity of who I am and how and who he is in my relationship to him. Um, I would have to say though, that eternity is what stands out to me the most. Um, it's what I think of every day, probably several times a day and more than most. I'd have to say that's probably because of my, um, my education, my life experiences, my experience with my husband, I almost lost him. Um, but my education has taught me and that life on this earth is so very temporary and eternity is a very, very long time. It, I, I would have to say God's character, knowing about God's character and how much he cares about the details of our lives. Um, those are all things that I look forward to. And, and those are things that I'm, I'm going to take into eternity with me. Um, you know, there's nothing we can do. This Christianity is not a works-based religion. It's, it's, it's by grace. We're saved by grace. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And just knowing what I know about the Lord, I just, I just can't wait to see him and have him hug me. <laughs> and, uh, I think about the loved ones who've gone before me and how I look forward to seeing them. Think about my home in heaven, what that's going to be like. Cause I know we have a promised home in heaven. I think about that a lot. So I would have to say eternity. Mm. I love that. I love all the different answers that come through on that question. <laughs> Someday I'm going to just do uh, an episode with a bunch of different answers. <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> anyway, Claudia Kalmakov, thank you so much for being here today. Thank Sina, you. Thank you for coming back. Thank you, Janelle and just Sina. A, it's been, it's, it's been a pleasure. Just a joy. Uh, until next time. Thank you for listening to the finding something real podcast friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.